So I saw a quick clip on your Instagram and I saw that you were doing comedy one night. Let me just say one thing about that clip. You probably shouldn't tell Trump jokes to a pro-Trump crowd, so. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to King of the House. I am your host, Rick King. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. We have comedian, podcaster, executive producer, and as well as also number one best-selling author of Bitch Need Jesus. So, Val, real quick, tell me a little bit about your book. Ever since I was a little girl, I used to read these books like uh, Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging, Gossip Girl. You might have heard of it before it became a bad CW sitcom, but it was a really juicy book. And Go Ask Alice, these books really inspired me to start keeping a journal and writing about my life experiences. And I found that writing about hard shit in life was really therapeutic, you know, especially like shit that happens in high school, shit that you're not supposed to do, like sex or drugs or all these things and it's like this book really became my life my therapist and I wish honestly I had a book like this growing up so my whole life I just kept an encyclopedia of journals with the goal of hopefully one day publishing this and then when I turned 29 I was like oh my god <laughs> forgive me lord like never take your name vain, but oh MG, like 29, I'm no longer a child. Like this is a definitive. If it was ever a question before, 30 is the line. You are that threshold. You are no longer a child. I was like, there's no way I could turn 30 without really looking at my life and really taking the things that have shaped who I am today. So that's what the book is. It is my life story. It is a story about God, drugs, and transformation, about keeping an open mind to things and just uh, living your life. I haven't read the book, but I definitely am going to read it. That's for sure. So you also own and operate Electric Comedy Night, right? So that happens to be like a, a little... It's not a, a, a comedy club. It happens to be like an establishment, right? I like that word. Let's call it that establishment. <laughs> it's not a club. And people have said that. And it doesn't feel right to identify as that either because I am not running a club. And that's exactly why I started Electric Comedy Night. Because let's be honest, Rick, as stand-up comedians, there are clubs that you will absolutely put your heart and soul into and that you will give 100% because you're learning. The comedy store was very much established like that. Mitzi made no qualms about it, bitch. This is a school and you're learning here, okay? Right? Mm -hmm. But that, like, I will do that for the comedy store. I will do that for the ice house. But anything outside of that, it is really hard for me to bring people into a club to require them to pay for a ticket, for parking, for a two-item drink minimum, not just a minimum, <laughs> two drinks, for a $6 motherfucking bottle of water that you know costs you 10 cents. 
in good conscious parking, the tip, all of it just doesn't make me feel good to say, hey, this is what you need to do to participate in my comedy. I was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to do my own production. So I saw a quick clip on your Instagram and I saw that you were doing comedy one night and I thought that was amazing. I was definitely laughing hysterically as I was watching it. Let me just say one thing about that clip you probably shouldn't tell trump jokes to a pro-trump crowd so <laughs> there's that the theater also does have extremely high ceilings so in some of these rooms you've got those beautiful low ceilings and that laughter and echo and just reverberate and just linger and you can feel it that doesn't happen in this theater and we're also keeping some pretty strict covid protocols so we just that theater at 25% capacity, it can seat 200 people, but we're not, it's beautiful. And we've had extremely successful shows with sold out crowds and it's felt so good. But I guess right now we're just really focused on continuing live stand-up comedy in the safest environment that we can provide it. So all things considered, let me just project my insecurities at you. Somebody was worried. <laughs> I really liked that Trump joke. I think it just deserved more laughs. And I was like, fuck, you're right. It doesn't really sound like that's like boom of laughter. But I'm like, you know what? I'm fine with that, Rick. Even if one person laughs at my joke, that joke was meant for me and you in that moment. That's right. I completely agree with that. I know there's times where, you know, you happen to be saying a joke and whatnot and only one person will get it. But hey, that's the only person that really matters. Right. Oh, I love it. So your electric comedy theater happens to be in Utah. Right. But you're also based in L.A. So how does that even work for you? I've experienced some very special circumstances where I was born in Los Angeles at the age of eight. My family moved to Utah. I was raised in Utah for 20 years. And then recently my husband and I moved in Los Angeles. So we've been living there for six years. And when the lockdown happened, it was like, what is this? <laughs> like if anybody was outside, you would get glared at. It was like people, you know, in New York and Los Angeles were dressing up like trees just to be able <laughs> to go outside and like, you know, okay with not getting glared at. It was ridiculous at first and like for a little pocket of july things opened yeah. up and then they shut right back down again and then they opened up and then they shut right back down again meanwhile gavin newsom's winery's open and he's dining at like <laughs> michelin star restaurants and like you cannot sing at christmas like what yeah. the fuck motherfucker like so my family's still in utah i actually produce and run electric comedy night wow. in saint george utah and i have been so blessed to experience two different types of leadership from the uh, liberal democratic leadership of california to the conservative mm -hmm. republican leadership of utah and it was really tense at first right because there's a lot of trump cards here that are like it's a hoax it'll disappear and the heat and the light and it wasn't and people were getting super sick and people were dying but then again that was so dramatic to say people are dying because like you don't know somebody it doesn't hit you like that so there was the extreme of california where people were shut down and the economy was horrible and people were like getting real mental and then there was like utah delusion of like covid what no no 
And so I'm trying to play a fine line with four immunocompromised people in my family. My dad's black, overweight, pre-diabetic, open heart surgery. If he gets COVID, he might die. You know what I mean? So I'm not trying to risk anybody's life around me, but a $1,200, $600 check ain't cutting it. Got to do something. So yeah, California shut down. It's not good. To be honest, Los Angeles, it's very sad. There's boards over windows, lots of homeless people. And the things that make LA that great entertainment capital of the world, Universal Studios, Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags. Yeah, that's crazy, especially during these times. It's just, you know, you don't know what to expect in certain areas. But that's awesome that you were able to be able to see both sides of the spectrum and how leadership is right and how they're dealing with current things. But also, uh, have you done any kind of like virtual comedy or anything like that? You know, I still get the same nerves, no matter if it's a virtual or a live show. You always want to make the best impression. But geez, nothing replaces the energy of people, the feel of the room, the ability to walk into a location and just get a sense of what it's like or who these people are, you know, like this is like, right, click on the link. And hope the motherfucking host lets me in because if that host doesn't let me in in three minutes, I'm going to get upset. I swear that it just, I'm particular if that, that's all it takes for me. And I'm just talking to myself and I embrace the pause, Bobby Oliver. That's the lesson with these Zoom things. You just got to really just embrace that pause. You also have a podcast called The Juice Box with your sister, right? Where you talk on certain topics and whatnot. Yeah, in fact, I was going to drive to my sister's house like, Brittany, you got to meet this guy, Rick. I swear, Rick, she's dating a dude who could be your brother. You guys are so similar. Your personalities (laughs) are just so awesome. I like feel one point in our lives, we all have to meet. Hey, I'm definitely for it. I didn't even know I had a twin. Oh, we talk about these things every day. And that's another therapeutic thing. I love to get together with my sister. We love to talk about what's going on in the world, news, politics, pop culture, and especially like, um, gosh, I try to keep an open mind, you know, and honestly, things were actually kind of really interesting to digest this last year with everything that happened. You know what I mean? Like, just talking about it. Cause like, first of all, shit happened. And then you were supposed to isolate yourself, right? And then everything was supposed to be virtual and you were supposed to be fine with it. And it's like, actually, I'm not fine with this, you know? And like being able to just talk to my sister was so therapeutic. And then like, just some of the shit we talk about, it's like, I want to bring this to light. And the podcast is a really simple way to do it. It's a great way get on talk about things and get your message out there you down to play a game yeah of course i love game as far as this game it's called your worst nightmare basically there's three random cards that i selected and as far as these three random cards they have three topics on it and you go ahead and tell me which one your worst fear is okay so the first one is going to jail that's the first one the second one is falling asleep in public The third one is Charlie horses. So which one of those three happens to be 
your worst nightmare? Okay, Rick, I'm not going to lie. I've fallen asleep in public. I've fallen asleep in bathtubs. I've gone to jail. The last thing I want is a Charlie horse. I was pregnant. And I was sleeping on a vacation in British Columbia out of nowhere. I woke up at three in the morning with Charlie horses in both feet. I couldn't do anything about it. I was like, oh, just to live it out for a half hour. I was like, then, you know, it's like kind of when your foot falls asleep, you have to move it and then it tingles like crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, I like hope that never happens again. It was like quite sensational. My worst experience with Charlie horses happens to be like, I get this Charlie horse sometimes under my shin. And like, I happen to just like, when I yawn, it just locks. So I'm over here like, and I can't move my jaw. It's just locked jaw and it hurts. And I have to push it so hard in order for it to like, just go away. But that's the worst pain. In the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my show. And uh, let's go ahead and let's stay in touch, you know. Rick and hey, even bring you out to Electric Comedy Night. So let's keep this conversation alive. And we appreciate everything you do. Keep the jokes, keep the videos coming. Thank you.